I'm good. How are you? I'm liking your avatar here. Oh, thank you. It's kind of an old photo. Um, yours is just the letters AL, so it just looks like I'm talking yeah. to Al, like a robot named Al. Awesome. Yeah. I just got Skype for this. Oh, thank you. And I'm so sorry. No, I'm, I feel like a big girl now. I've been meaning to get, actually, I think I had it, but I just like kept forgetting my password. And so like once a year when I use it, I, you know, sort of reset. (laughs) It's bad. It's like bad software. Um, It's 2018 and we still can't do voice chat because I don't know, they can put a man on the moon, but they can't make a good Skype apparently. Um, you know, I like the, it looks pretty. Mm, There's a good color going here. It looks okay. Are you on a Windows computer? No. Oh, you're Maybe, on a Mac? Yeah. You're like, this looks horrible. All I see is the big <laughs> L circle and then sort of the black yeah, gray no, gradient in the background. Oh, see, your gradient is pink and blue. Oh. Yeah. Weird. I don't maybe it's based Jesus. on the colors or something. Re-download. Interesting. Interesting. Um yeah, but I am okay. It's snowing here like a lot. Yeah, so it's raining here a lot. I I oh. want to say I feel your pain. Um it was really scary. I had to drive in this like extreme rain, which I know. I know that sounds really pathetic to you being in New York, but it's actually like very terrifying. I'm a new driver, so. Oh, when did you learn to drive? About a year ago. Um, Yeah, I grew up in San Francisco Mm -hmm. where I didn't learn how to drive. Like my friends, it was pretty split. Like a lot of them didn't learn. I didn't learn. I never had an interest. I just took the Muni all around. And then. I went to school in Boston, didn't have a car. Then I moved mm-hmm. to New York where I lived for years. Um, and so I just never really learned. And then I was like, oh, I'm going to move to LA. I kind of got to do that. And it's been such a wild ride. Let me tell you. Yeah, I was actually just talking about this. Um, so kind of to peek behind the curtain here for listeners, I'm pre-taping a bunch of episodes because I'm taking a vacation. So um Yesterday, or like a couple days ago, but it will have been a week or two ago on the podcast, I was talking to Janice Griffith, and she wow. lives in she was in she lives in LA now, um, and she doesn't drive. And I was like, "How? Like, don't you have to drive to live there?" You kind of do, but I assume like she takes cars around or something. Yeah, she has to, like, to a ferry level her. A where you can where you don't have to drive. <laughs> it's just like a level that I haven't achieved. That's the dream. That's how you know when you've made it. When other people drive you Absolutely. around. Yeah, but I also think that you would feel like I know some people that don't have cars, and I think I would just feel really landlocked and sort of even with Uber, mm-hmm. like because you rely on it so much just to get around that. I don't like the idea I would just be relying completely on someone else or like an app. Yeah, no, uh, I get that. Yeah. I've, I mean, yeah. I've like never lived somewhere with that. Well, that's not true. I was going to say I've never lived somewhere without robust public transit, but I did live in Seattle for a few years and like it was, mm. I mean, it was good. I should say like it, it was good compared to a lot of places in this country, but it was not ideal. <laughs> it didn't have a subway, first of all. And so like most of my life I lived in Toronto. And now New York. And so it's like, I'm really spoiled by that stuff, which is why I don't think I could ever live somewhere like LA. Yeah. Well, that's what I always thought. I mean, I hate, not only did I like just not drive, I kind of am saying it's because 
oh, I just grew up in cities. I also have like a huge driving phobia. Mm-hmm. Like I hated the idea of doing it. I still don't like it. It makes me really anxious. Um, and so I always told myself that, but if I can do it and I commute an hour each way to work, then I really believe that anyone, like now I've like really embraced this lifestyle. Like it's so, I can't even believe it. Like I, yeah, I don't miss the subway at all, which is weird. Cause I used to be like, I'm never driving and I can't live in a place where I have to drive. And now I'm just like, get me like this nice car that I want to drive <laughs> around and like, listen to my own music and like never walk. It's really weird. Very yeah, bizarre. It's hashtag car life. Yeah. I think maybe because I just have never experienced it. There's something new and appealing about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What do you uh, like to blast when you're driving? Oh, my God. Oh, boy. Ooh, tell me. <laughs> well, it depends what kind of a moment I'm having. Okay, you know? okay. Like, what sort of a um, Okay, I do this thing where, like, I really want to know what, like, the youth listen to. Like, Ooh. what they're, like, they're, Spotify has, like, um top 50 mm-hmm. pop music. And I will just listen to that and be like, hmm, and just learn about all, like, all this music. That I guess you wouldn't like in New York. I don't know what I did because I wasn't listening to the radio. So I would just, yeah. I guess, like, be on Twitter and be like, oh, this song's popular right now. Mm-hmm. But now I'm pretty invested in like America Top 50. You Ooh, know? Who is, who is uh, topping the charts lately? <sighs> well, right now it's been like God's Plan by Drake. It's just like nonstop. He's like, mm-hmm. he's like holding that top spot. Yeah. I mean, I wonder, I think it's similar to the Billboard, you know, top maybe mm-hmm. i don't know then they also have like viral hits which i guess ones that are going crazy online um you know but then also just like all the stuff that you like you know have sad moments too in your car like a lot of stuff i used to listen to in high school i was oh, listening like to for cutie yes, today in the rain just like oh man real i can't believe i'm saying this on a public public forum here yeah it's public record now yeah yeah um but i love that the car the car music thing is great although i love when i'll be like blasting jewel and then a guy will pull up next to me and like look over as if he's trying to like hit on me (laughs) and then like like realize i'm listening to like angry sad woman music and then just be like uh yeah (laughs) no (laughs) like that's not gonna work out yeah well, that's great. That's my favorite. Yeah, like the the change of like the cat calling culture versus that uh-huh. is really interesting. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, you clearly it's not nearly as intrusive because it's people just pulling up next to you. But you do the little head nod. They do the head nod. Mm-hmm. You know, then they see you're like weeping to Blink-182 and they're like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, But it's it's funny yeah as a non-driver there's so many things that I haven't experienced with cars like one thing I okay I I don't know if you got this before you started driving I'll have dreams like stress dreams I wouldn't call them nightmares but just like stressful Mm -hmm. dreams where I have to drive or where I'm like in a car driving and I'm like I don't know how to drive why did, did I get here 
And that was what my mom would always say when she was like guilting me about not knowing how to drive. She's like, one day you're going to be in a scenario in which you need to drive like, as, if, as if like the world is going to be ending and, and there's just going to be a car and everyone's going to look to me and it's going to be like, get in bitch. Like you're driving and I'm not going to know how to do it. And then like everyone will die. Like that's how it was framed. And I would totally have those dreams. That's like a recurring theme. I was just thinking about this. I had an anxiety dream the other night that I like had to explain to Aziz Ansari. This is clearly related to my job, but Mm -hmm. I had to explain to Aziz Ansari like why what he did was wrong and try to not offend him and like try to get him. Like it was like I was talking to Aziz Ansari and I just was like, yeah, like here's why what you did was like a little predatory. But I had to phrase it so that he wouldn't leave the room. And this is clearly going in a very different direction, but it's like the same concept of all anxiety dreams where like you have to accomplish a goal that you can't for some reason. Mm -hmm. I think it ended up going okay. I think I just woke up (laughs) and I was like, I don't want to do this. Go away. (laughs) That's, I hate that. Like I, I mean, that's like the, one of the classic genres of dreams, right? It's like, Oh, you have to do this like normal task, but there's something stopping you from doing it. Or, like, yeah. you know, you have to like type an email, but your hands are all weird. Like pretty typical kind of dream, I guess. Do you have those dreams? Do you have anxiety dreams a lot? Yeah. Like all the time. Yeah. It's why I'm Me just too. like, oh, I don't need to sleep. Like, I don't want like, okay. At, those are like my best case scenario for sleep. My worst case is like night terrors where like I wake up screaming. <laughs> Oh my God. No, I have this too. And it's just like, it's been my whole life too. Yeah. Though. I like envy people. They're like, yeah, I never dream. I know. The only thing that's ever really helped me sleep through the night without remembering my dreams is uh, smoking weed. And oh I, yeah, I kind of stopped doing that for a few reasons, but like I do miss that ability to just like zonk out and wake up eight hours later feeling like refreshed and not exhausted. Right. And not like you had some insane. I and my anxiety dreams are always like so obvious and so like or or they'll be like a house is burning and you have to get out or oh I have one I know you have a lot of tats right I do yeah Uh, I have none and a recurring anxiety dream I have is that I like accidentally like get a tattoo when I don't like I'm drunk or something happens Uh where I get wake up and I have this horrible tattoo of like Mm -hmm. Marilyn Monroe like a tattoo that is just one that I would never get and I can't get it off. And I'm like, whoa, guys. And I think it's why, even though I want a tattoo really bad, that dream is like. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe it's like the card thing where if you actually did get a tattoo, then that dream would be dispelled. You'd defeat it. You're so right. Yeah. Just Look, don't get the Marilyn Monroe. Get Marilyn Manson instead. Oh, my God. I don't know if that would help me with the nightmares. Yeah. It, you know, we're all. We're all stars now in the dope show, <laughs> which is what I call Twitter. Oh, my gosh. That's a really great. You should trademark that somehow. TM, TM, TM. Uh, I'm going to yeah. trademark his songs. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how you could trademark his song, but as it applies to Twitter. Yeah. I, I mean, that's like, I think Bijan, who you had, mm-hmm. had on the show, he recently tweeted like that the serenity prayer is about editing. And I was like, no, the serenity prayer is about Twitter. It's about a lot of things, (laughs) but it's just like, God, grant me the serenity to not like respond to this troll and to just like 
continue with my life on this hellish website. Yeah, I, yeah, don't reply to anyone. I say, just do something and keep doing it and don't let anyone's responses affect what you're doing in any way ever, which I think always ends up going super well. Yeah. So do you have a healthy relationship with Twitter? Would you say? No, no, not at all. I get distracted by it so much. Um, Even though I, I have it blocked at certain times of the day, like without my control automatically, um, I still spend too much time on it. And like, it's gotten better. Like, I would say it's gotten better since I turned my mentions to only people who follow me. Um, But sometimes and like, I'm closing my DMs again, because I don't know why I had them open. If people need to get in contact with me, they can email me. But like, sometimes I'll just get DMs that are just like, hey, fuck you. And it's like, what? <laughs> who are you? And then they block me immediately after. So I can't oh even be like, God. what is this in reference to? Um, but I basically just don't care. And like, I don't, I don't know. I think my relationship with it has gotten better since I've taken these sort of actions to have it less of an influence on my life. But like, I still spend too much time on it and like I should spend more time actually writing and not tweeting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just have the most, my relationship with it is like, it's not just that I waste time on it. It's also that I feel like it's just really bad for me. Like I find the joy I get from it, like less and less as the years go on. Like it used to genuinely bring me joy. I would make friends from it. Like when I had, when you basically, it gets less fun, the more followers you have, which is really counterintuitive. It should get more fun, but it actually gets less fun. Yeah, it's Um, true. It's true. (laughs) the best when you're just like, it was like 2009 and you're just like tweeting about like, I don't know, some show and literally no one is listening. You're truly yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah. So now I feel like even when I'm having quote unquote fun on it now, it's like, I don't know. Is why don't I just take those thoughts? Is it about expressing that I'm more interested that I want to do on there, or is it more about just like consuming a lot of toxic stuff? And then I also feel like I have to be on it for my job. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of different elements there. Like I don't feel like I can leave it for work. Like it's really yeah. cool that people do that. I would love to try. Um, but that enables me to be on it so much more then because I'm like, oh, well, I got to be here. I got to be at the world's worst party. <laughs> I've been sent here on assignment. And so I'm just going to dig in, you know, dig my For heels the in. world's worst vice article. Yep. Just totally. like we went to Twitter and stayed on it for oh 10 years. God. Yeah. Well, I said, re- I was like, I actually tweeted recently that there must be, I was like, Twitter is like a party where there like must be free drugs because there's no other reason why everyone stays. The you know, free drug like, is like the hit of dopamine you get when you oh see that God. someone retweeted you. I know. I know. Or like, I'm trying to think of when I had that. I think like a Chrissy Teigen follow or something or like someone that you <laughs> always liked follows you and you're like, oh, inject that into my veins. <laughs> God, yeah. Um. Yeah, totally normal. Totally normal. Um, and then I'm like, am I giving away a lot of my best ideas? Like I was thinking about if I had harnessed all the creative energy. I mean, a lot of my tweets lead to story ideas, right? I mean, I think that's how mm-hmm. we met. Yeah. Um, or 
first kind of was it did I see a tweet then then I was like this should be a story I'm not sure but but then I'm always but I'm also like what if I like instead wrote that in a notebook like why does it need to go out into the world and then I sat on it and then I did the thing yeah it's so I don't know I mean Sarah Nicole Prickett once said something like like, cause she, I don't know if she still does, but she was in the habit of like deleting all her older tweets every once in a while, which I've started doing as well. And she was like, I, I don't believe that like, if I hadn't done this, I would have written a novel. Cause it's just like a totally different thing. And even if the number of words is the same, like, it's not like I would have done this other thing instead. Um, yes, that's so, very true. Yeah. I mean, it's like. I am trying to do more of that though of like p- keeping things back and like not putting something out immediately. Like if I have an idea for a piece, I'm not just like, here's a thing that I'm writing for free on Twitter and it makes money for Jack. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I kind of agree with her, but I also don't. Part of me is like, yeah, I don't think I would write a novel, but you would have I done feel something like a else. lot of that. Yeah. yeah. I think I would like write pieces that are like, personalized like non-fiction stuff maybe mm-hmm. you know yeah um, but you never I mean coulda woulda shoulda I'd find another way to waste my time like just like going out on the street corner and like screaming into the void or <laughs> Toronto <laughs> and a few other places maybe in Canada only I think used to have this thing called speaker's corner that was just like this booth you go into and put like a dollar into and then you could just like record a message like a video message of yourself talking and then they would have like a TV show um, every like <gasps> evening or night or like maybe it was just weekends where like they would select a bunch of the best or weirdest ones and play them. That's and really cool. It was so cool. And like I kind of really miss it because you'd also get like recurring bits, like people who would keep coming back. Um, oh my God. Like this old man who would always show up to like insist that the TV network stop playing softcore porn at night because it was like corrupting youth. <laughs> that really is exactly good. like yeah see that those could just be tweets but i mean do i also think do people did people do romantic things like go in there and be like i love you ally or something and then like you could follow a whole romance back and forth yeah people, people totally did stuff like that like they're like oh i'm on a date with this person and like fuck you mom i don't care that you don't think i should be dating like this kind of guy or whatever <laughs> and then like they would go back and be like so we broke up <laughs> like <laughs> Ah, oh, that's so great. Yeah. Was that on public access or what was that? Um, it was like not I forget what the it wasn't like public access, but it was like um a local TV station that uh was sort like this guy took over like in the 80s or 90s and just started making really big by doing weird stuff like that. Mm-hmm. By like doing stuff like that and then also showing like softcore porn on weekends and night. Um so, yeah, it was just like a weird, at the time, just like a really weird channel that evolved into this huge thing now. Wow. I want to go do that. If I ever go to Toronto, I'm doing that. Yeah. Well, I don't know if they exist anymore. I know. That so. sounds like something that doesn't exist yeah, anymore. Are, they're just like, oh, I just tweet and we'll show it at the bottom of the screen. <laughs> See what I mean? Yeah. Maybe you wouldn't have a novel, but you'd have this amazing show. Yeah. There were so many weird show like canadian tv was producing so many weird shows like that in like the early 90s like there is another one there's one called kink and one called sex tv that was just like interviews with people that are kind of actually like basically if i had a tv show in the 90s like this is what it would be because it was just like interviews with people at like 
I don't know, like sex. That would be so cool. By parties the way. or like, show. I know I kind of want a TV show in the nineties, but uh, it's, I don't know. You know, I think it could happen. Yeah. But... I mean, you should have a TV show regardless, but for some reason, the nineties thing, what I was going to say though, is if you tried to do that show now and I don't know, maybe it worked better in Canada where you guys are friendly and nice, but like, it would just get real sexual, real racist, real quick. <laughs> like, I don't even know if you could have that show. Yeah. Like, can you imagine if they just like put that? Oh, yeah, I don't God. know. Yeah. You know I think I- it was like a very, like, like they were just like, Oh, we don't want this to be. I think the people who were running it were really cool. Cause they're like, we don't want this to be like weird. We're like really trying to just like talk to people on their level and not like exotify them. Um, and it was a weird moment. And people respected that. That's yeah. Great. Yeah. It was cool. Um, but yeah, that's not really a thing anymore. Bummer. Yeah. Oh, well, I have a column now. So like, that's the next best thing. Yeah. I mean, look, yeah. And this pod. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I don't want to start a podcast. I was thinking about this. What would your podcast be about? I have no idea. (gasps) I, well, I mean, I have some ideas. It's a little intimidating. Yeah. I mean, it's a weird, wild space. Um, and I think if I can float an idea to you, sure. my idea would be to assume the identity of a white man in his mid-30s and do a podcast. Wait, I know where you're going with this. <laughs> oh, no, you don't. I think. And then okay. to do a podcast about a science fiction franchise from the 1980s or bad movies or, uh, well, you do know where I'm going, or socialism. And yep. That's then what I you were step saying. three, profit. Um, and I bear no ill will towards anyone for getting that paper. Um, but it is like seemingly a lot easier to do it if you're a man in podcasting. Like um, that's just one of the facts of the medium and the world, as it turns out. Yeah, I well, I was just thinking about it because I think I have just I'm like no one would want to listen to me that much, and I feel like like the white guy mentality is the opposite of that yeah they assume people want to hear them hear me talk about this like you know sometimes very niche thing for an hour you know Mm -hmm. and that barrier that confidence you kind of need yeah i think you should do it though yeah why not i always whenever someone who isn't that type of person wants to do a podcast i'm like please do it because the more people do it like the more other people will do it. And like, it is so nice to have people working in this space that aren't just that. And like, I am friends with some of those people and like they're sweethearts and I love them, but I think the, they would acknowledge that like, yeah, it's kind of weird that like, um, it feels like this space more than some others even is very yeah. that well, that's, demo. I mean, it's always, but it's like, it's not even just about podcasting. It's, that's literally audio has always been that way. I mean, I guess all journalism has, but it's like, you think even about like radio and like, I mean, when I was in grad school, I did like a part audio major and just like, Mm -hmm. we talked about that a lot. I mean, that was at the time when like Ira Glass, you know, that was pre-serial before like there was a female host, Roman, I mean, still podcasting, but like Roman Mars Mm -hmm. and like just 
that was always the way it was. There are these there are these women, the Kitchen Sisters. I don't, I don't know if you've ever heard of them. No. Um, they do really interesting like audio sort of journalism and stuff mm. like that. Um, but yeah, no, you're totally right. I wonder why. I mean, now I'm thinking of examples, and I'm like, well, isn't like every space kind of start that way? But I guess not. Yeah, I don't know. I think some start that way. I think some start the other way. But then when there are like women, uh, like the spaces historically, I think that start off women like centered or like run mostly by women are treated as like worthless. And then when men start to get into them, they're like, oh, this is so important. Like programming um, is one example of that. Uh, where like the earliest programmers were mostly women and it was treated as like busy work or like, you know, didn't take creativity or intelligence. But um, I think also with audio, there's a thing where like, because of sexism, people just don't like listening to women's voices. Yeah, that's so true. It's every time that's like the vocal fry and it'll be like, it doesn't have fry at all. Yeah. (laughs) Like what? Um. Oh, that, but another example of what, what you were talking about just made me think of, like, I wrote this piece about, I called it, like, the pink ghetto of social media, the way that social media started that way, um, like, especially in newsrooms where it's, like, they, like, only women would basically have that job, and mm-hmm. there's still, like, the joke that it's a dumb intern, and that it's, like, dumb mm-hmm. girls mm-hmm. that, that like, run corporate accounts, Um and then, like, in that piece talked about, like, oh, but then when a guy does it now, like, women made it, like, okay and, and a reasonable job. And then the men swoop in and get, like, the, the really yeah. great jobs. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of exactly what happens. Um, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, interesting and a little yeah. depressing. But, you know, people are out there doing stuff. I know people doing cool podcasts. Um, and I think you should do one. You could do it about. I, I have know. a couple ideas, but I'm not. I don't. You I'll, don't want to say I'll, them. I don't want to say them because maybe we'll That's see. Okay. Let me let them marinate a little bit. Yeah, but of course. In the vein of something I would do for Mel, they're about men in a way. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> even though it would be a woman hosting it, it would <laughs> probably be about that. Yeah, I can't escape. No. So how did you start actually working for Mel? Which if people don't know is how would you, well, how would you describe it? Hmm. Um, well, it's a men's magazine, but I, I kind of think it's, it's a new men's magazine for a different kind of man. Usually like content on the internet for men falls in two buckets. It's either like what I call a bro tent site, sort of like the chive or bar stool or bro Bible. Or it's like a high-end men's magazine. There's not a lot of stuff in the middle mm-hmm. for guys who maybe like aren't attracted to either of those. Um, and so I would say that's what Mel is. You know, it's definitely progressive. Uh, you know, there's you can also just call it a woke men's magazine if you want. <laughs> um, if we're just going straight, if we're just cutting straight to it. Um, how did I get it? That's a good question. So I was always like a a feminist writer. I remember when I got this job, my brother joked, like, have they read your work? Like what, what? Like, and I was like, yeah, well, that's kind of the whole point, like to, to hire feminist writers and a feminist editor to help run a men's magazine, um, was kind of different. Although of course there are like women on staff at, you know, traditional men's magazines too. Um, but 
anyway, yeah. So like I kind of was just got, I think a little bit exhausted with kind of preaching to the choir, which is what I felt like I was doing with a lot of my work where it was just kind of like talking to other women about these issues surrounding gender. And while it was like super gratifying for a moment in time, I was like, I kind of felt like I was in a vacuum Mm -hmm. and I thought it would be a really cool challenge to try to like talk to men about it. Um, and I had always like written for Mel and really liked it and just kind of like kept that conversation going with the editor and it's just kind of all, um, kind of came together. Um, and I decided I wanted to move back to California which was something I always wanted to do, but I was kind of waiting for the right time. Like I was sort of like talking to Josh, the editor in chief for a long time before um, I finally decided to make the move. Um, And I actually kind of like, I mean, even though it has its unique challenges, um, I like love this beat or whatever, if you would call it that Mm -hmm. probably more than any, all any other ones I've covered. Um, Because I kind of started out in politics and I did tech and like tech culture for a little bit always like feminism was kind of the string running through them. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I don't know. I mean, what do you, th- I'm curious what you think too. Like, I know that we work together a lot on that. Like, is that's the entire conceit essentially of your column. Yeah. Like finding ways <laughs> to talk to men and it's like, so, but isn't it so gratifying when you, when you feel like you connect? Yeah. Sorry. I'm just laughing because my cat just came in and like clawed at, the sleeve of my cardigan and is like slowly pulling it off. Oh my god. <laughs> okay, I got it. Um, I wish I could do that. Yeah. Um yeah, no, it's really cool. And like as someone who I have like a weird relationship with men because I in the past have like been romantically involved with them, but like I haven't been for a while. And um I have like weird like sources of knowledge of them um in that like i used to do stuff in video games which is like mostly man mm-hmm. and like i used to work sort of in a space where i was like very intimate with them and like emotionally i'm like was learning a lot about them um and yeah like to then be sort of like writing about them is like i don't know i feel like some of my stuff like my the stuff i'm most proud of with mel is the service almost service journalism mm-hmm. because it's like totally oh like um the first piece i actually wrote for you was um the piece on like how to hire a sex worker and like a lot of my friends were like oh thank you for this because it's like hopefully people will see it. like it's something i can send to people or like post on my twitter and so like people will not just send me emails that are like sup um and things like that that are like like i don't know it's weird to be like here all the ways you're fucking up and here's how to do better but like on the other hand like women are told that all the time and i feel like getting a little bit of that at least like on the dude side like isn't the worst thing in the world and in fact like i feel like i try and come at it from a pretty gentle place and people Mm -hmm. tend to be appreciative of that yeah absolutely i think i mean we were i was just talking to josh today and he was saying how like you're really good at that like you're really good at talking to men like it's like the perfect level it's hard to find that in tone, you know, at least when I'm editing and when I'm yeah. writing, I mean, I honestly don't even know if I'm as good at it. Like sometimes I feel like I can, I can just get like frustrated or 
you know, sometimes it's more, it depends on what the piece is. Sometimes it's more difficult to come from like this gentle place and you just want to be like, this is so dumb. Like, please stop doing this. You know, (laughs) I think for like at least dating stuff, it's easier for me because I'm coming from like kind of an outside position where I don't have to deal with this stuff intimately. Yeah. So there's not that like running resentment. Yeah, exactly. Which I totally get, but... Right. On the other hand, though, like, I feel like a lot of people assume anytime I write something, it's coming from a personal place and resentment. Like when I wrote Fuck Boy, like there are so many, which was like a piece, which is basically about like a liberal fuck boy, like the fuck boy that like uses socialism to get laid. Mm -hmm. And it was like a satire piece. And like so many men like in the DSA and on the left just are convinced, like, you're just like, this girl got dumped by someone in the DSA. And like, she's so salty. Like, like actually that. I actually haven't. <laughs> that never happened. Yeah. Like I just was observing different kinds of people in the world, but like they're so convinced it's coming from a personal place. Um, it, yeah, because and, um, like, because you know why? It's because women can't actually write anything without it being uh, autobiography. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I'm just sort of like, I'm really like, I love how they've they've just they've just decided they know me. Like mm-hmm. they know who I'm like name names who's the dsa guy that dumped me because it's like it's just hilarious um and yeah it's it's just like really fun and then different people being like this is about or like people i know thinking it was about them or that i was like subtweeting them with this piece and i was like this is like about hundreds of people yeah yeah this is about like I don't, you know what I mean? It's frustrating. Like, it's one of those things where, like, if you think this is so tweeting you, maybe that's, like, something you should examine. <laughs> yeah, I know. It was, like, your insecurity that this is about you says a lot more about you than it does about, like, me. And you know what I mean? Yeah. I get that a lot with, like, what people respond to online and, like, comments is, like, I'm actually, I'm not good at, I, like, have always been that person that reads all the comments. <laughs> Like, and don't have my mentions set to only people I follow. Like, I don't know. That's totally nuts. But I'll see some comments where I'm just like, whoa, like the projection that's going on here is just like, you're not even engaging with the text. Yeah. Yeah. Like a guy will read something and then he'll just be like, blah, 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 blah. Like, and my mother did this to me when I was three. And you're like, whoa, dude, that's literally not in there. (laughs) Like your childhood. I'm not even sure how this is like coming up you know yeah yeah (laughs) yeah yeah not great not great um so that's kind of difficult i i'm trying to to read the internet less the comments the the mentions i think that's good i think just like putting something out there and being like Mm, go just enjoy this delicious post I've made for you. I cooked this up and now you can you can either eat it and enjoy it or you can smear it all around your face and make a big mess and throw it up. I don't care. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Do you think you've always felt that way? No, I still don't really, if I'm honest. I yeah. care too yeah. much. But like my response to caring is to just be like just to make fun of people who do that stuff on um like in private and uh i just because here's the thing you don't give your enemies any content like not a fucking inch i know oh that's such a good point because um yeah i mean it's just like if you don't give them anything like 
it's like not being online. I don't know. And I respect that, like, for some people, it's like either you want to be the person who's like pushing back against bullshit or like you feel like you need to. But like my thing is you I don't think you ever really need to. I don't think it's like actually ever like a good idea to to fight online, um, which may sound like defeatist or like. I don't know, like overly pacifistic, but. I just don't That's think you can thing. get anything out of it. You, like, you can't ever win. It's like you literally, it's the feeding the trolls thing. Yeah. It's just like it becomes bigger and bigger and bigger. Well, it's and it's, why, like, yeah, it's also just like, you know, like Aikido is basically just like all about if you are based, if you're patient enough, your enemy or whoever thinks that they're your enemy will eventually show their entire ass online. And you don't have to do anything. Just by acting like a normal, decent person, you will make people, like, make themselves look like total assholes, and you'll come off looking, like, perfect. That's true. You just got to let the let people hang themselves. Exactly. It's so hard in the moment. It is now very like, hard. Where I just, like, fight online. Where I can just, like, get that urge out. Yeah, oh. it's tough. Um, I remember, yeah, okay. I don't know, like a group chat or something is really good for that. I feel like where you could just be like, "Hey, check out this bozo." Yeah, totally, totally. I yeah. Well, a good thing is also just not being okay. Do you did you follow that like Katie Royfe? Um, do you know about her? Uh, and then she wrote that big piece that pissed everyone yeah, off. Yeah, I followed it just like barely. Well, I like joke, like she doesn't even have a Twitter, like she's not on. And so I jokingly was in a conversation with someone else on Twitter where I said like Katie Royfe suck my dick or something like that, or can suck my dick, Uh um, like as a joke and not adding her. And then she like quoted it. She didn't say me, but like then her piece ended up becoming about like Twitter feminist (laughs) moms coming at her. And she's like, one woman told me to suck her dick. Oh my God. And like it's amazing because like a to frame something as a mob when you're not even being added like she's name searching herself and then yeah. like finding these tweets and then being like these people are attacking me where it's like well we honestly because i wouldn't ever at her um anyways i forget where i was going with this oh so that was like in her harper's piece and then she like mentioned it in different interviews and if I had like seen that, I think it would have like been really hard for me to resist the urge to just like go off. But basically I just was like, I'm not going to read this bad piece. And I didn't. So I just didn't know for like a week that I was in it until like the tweets started resurfacing. And I was like, why is this random tweet? Yeah. Oh <laughs> like, my coming God. Up, and, then I, and then I figured it out. That is like the worst possible thing you can do. Like to let someone know that you have read their content that they didn't actually force at you is right because to let people know that you are mad i mean i don't know the whole mad online thing is like bullshit and like basically just this weird fight to be who can like who can be more sort of like detached but like even if you have to go searching for stuff which i understand because i think it's a defense mechanism for people who have like felt threatened in the past they're like i need to know if someone is coming after me Um, yeah don't let people know that you're doing that. <laughs> no, I know. It's like admitting the name search is like the biggest self-own. It is. It's sad. Um, or that you like have an alert of your name and just a column on TweetDeck where it's like, boom, boom. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Um, or, you know, it's possible someone like sent it to her. That's the other thing is like, I'm always amazed at how people send people like 
oh, this person's talking shit about you on the internet. Don't send people that. Yeah. Like, I don't need to know. Yeah. Thanks. No one's really done that to me in a while, but people definitely do that. And it's like really weird. Um, Hopefully no one did that to her. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Although it wasn't even good stuff. Don't send me that. I know. Right. What is that about? Why would you want someone to know? Like, I don't know. I mean, if there's a reason they need to. If someone's like, this person is like threatening your life and has like a plan to like come after you, then like, yeah, tell me. But if they're just like, hey, this person fucking sucks dicks, then like, I don't care. They're nobody. Like, they're, and if it's someone who is somebody, I'll see it. Cause like, if it's fucking like, I don't know, like Christy Teigen saying that, then I'll see it. Um, yeah. Otherwise, I don't care. They're just like, fucking randos who are npcs basically yeah yeah totally i don't know i have like this sick fascination where i'm the person who would like want to see it all but i think that's really not Mm. a good i've been there but i think you just have to like what you have to do is basically do cbt to your brain where you're like yep okay i want to do this and then you have to like replace that impulse with something else or like yeah like okay, I have this feeling and I want to act on it to like look at this bad thing that I know will just make me feel bad, but like I'm all like amped up. So like what can I do to disperse that? And like, I don't know, like go run or like take a bath or uh, literally anything else. Literally anything else. Yeah, absolutely. I was going to say, I don't really do that as much now that I do do CBT. Um, That's like the only kind of therapy actually that has helped me with anything like that. That's Mm -hmm. like compulsive. But yeah, you really do have to retrain your brain like you're a dog with like a biscuit and like give yeah. yourself a treat. Um, it just because it ne- there's never it never ends well. It's like, wh- well, why yeah, like at- what do you get out of it? Like, you know, some it's- NPC like hates you. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, they're allowed to have feelings and like they're allowed to tweet them if they want to. And reasonable people, if people are just like saying vile or random shit about you. Anyone who knows you or like reasonable people will see it and be like, this person looks like a maniac. (laughs) Totally. Totally. I agree. And I mean, a lot. The other thing is like a lot of the stuff I don't really know. I'm curious what your like subtweet take is like about things that aren't explicitly about you, but like, you know, or about you, which then it makes you even more nuts because you're like. I I mean, you're really down this rabbit hole. Yeah. Clearly know it's about you based on some p identifiers or something and like who the person is i feel like um okay so subtweeting i feel like is like an important tool for like whisper networks and stuff for people who can't say like in in cases of like legitimate like shitty behavior to do that to someone who like you are mutual followers with on twitter or like are friends with is like to me that is like sociopath behavior like just like dming someone and then blocking them or like whatever it's just like why are you like that is just like a dick move like if it's someone you know and you have a problem with them i feel like you should be an adult and like talk to them about it but of course that's a very difficult thing to do and a much easier thing to do is to just sort of like vent about it into the ether but then that person will inevitably see it um right well but what's also weird about it is it's not just that they want to the thing about subtweeting i've thought a lot lot about this too and i totally agree with that first point like it does serve a really i think healthy function but but the subtweeting that doesn't 
it's it's not just about oh I need to express this. They also like want the faves to roll in. Yeah. From, like, mutuals. Like there's just like sick then web of like does the person do the people who fave that subtweet like know, know that it's who about, it's about. Like, do they also think this. And like I think the person that subtweets is like aware of that, and that's like a kind of mental torture that you're doing to whoever you're subtweeting. Like it's even worse. Oh, you know? it's, like- it's really bad behavior. And like in the past, I have like seen that where someone will like tweet or write a screed about like bad behavior in general and be like but not name any names and just be like these people are so abusive and like they've like tried to destroy me and then like if they were pressed to relate the circumstances that they actually are describing with that language no reasonable person would agree with them but like because they're couching it in this like very self-righteous language and putting it out there publicly everyone is like oh you're so right how dare anyone treat you like that and it's like well, you're not really getting the whole story. <laughs> yeah, you don't know the whole story. No, totally, totally. I mean, I feel I definitely have like, I feel like subtweeting abusive people is like a different, yeah, like the Whisper Network's angle where that you know they could also make that argument, you know, about like victims subtweeting them or something that it's like, well, you're not getting the whole story. Sure, um, and I guess it's like easy. For- you know, it's like anyone could say that like, well, it's okay to tweet about the bad stuff, but not, but it's like, I feel like there must be some kind of line, especially when it's like, like, it's different. I feel like when it is someone in a position of power, but like when it's someone who it's like, like horizontally, like aligned with you, if that makes sense, like sort of on the same level. It's all about like, are you punching up? Are you punching down? Are you punching laterally? Yeah, I feel like point of the punch. Not to be too much of an old person about this, but like, I feel like if people like, like this is one of my issues with social media is like that dope that hit from getting faved is so strong that I think it pushes people who would otherwise be like very good and reasonable about this into this kind of behavior. Um, And now that like the social media is bad, but I think it does shape behavior in some ways, and this is one way that it does that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's just, I don't know. I mean, what's the solution? It's like, you just have to personally get better. Like, I try to, to minimize it as much as possible in in myself. And then just like, I don't know, media Twitter can be like particularly toxic. I feel like sometimes I'm like, my experience of Twitter would be so different if I could just like start over and like didn't wasn't a part of all these different weird communities that have these like you know tacit understandings in different languages and like memes within the in and of themselves you Uh know what i'm talking about yeah fake subtweeted like i'm like sometimes i'm like i wish i could just like parachute into a different twitter where i don't even get (laughs) what do you think the good twitter is oh my god i mean i don't know it's hard i think there's gotta be one like no but now it's like i'm like Oh, you know, tiny house Twitter or something. I'm sure that gets nuts. I'm sure that's horrible. Probably does. They're probably really bad fights about. They're probably terrible. Whether your yeah, small house, house counts as a tiny house. house. Yeah, exactly. Oh my god, you could see the subtweets. It's like, it's like when she. It's like a meme where it's like when she thinks her house is tiny, but it's really just small. God. Subtweets, and you're like, oh my god, this is about my new tiny house. <laughs> Uh, you uh, you can't win. This is what I'm saying. I believe there are good parts of online. I I know. I mean, my parts are pretty good because I've just tried to avoid as much of that stuff as possible. But at, at the same time, like the cost of that is like 
at some point you have to wade into that stuff for like you were talking about earlier, like job issues and like networking and right. the more that you try to hold back from that, like I think you're sort of maybe costing yourself opportunities or like, at least that's the thought process, like whether or not that's true. It's hard to say. Yeah. I think that was definitely, I don't know. I, I'm like, you know, people talk a lot about like deleting Facebook and like, you know, journalists deleting Twitter. And it's sort of like, I would love to get to the level of success where I can do that. Yeah. Like I think of my favorite writers, like don't really use Twitter. <laughs> and I'm like, I want when I get to the Maggie Nelson level, I'll just log off, you know, yeah. <laughs> like, like, fuck it. I don't need, you know, like I'm not on there. But like, when do you ever get to that level? Especially when like, for me, I've built my entire career based on being online. And that was like, what got me jobs. And like, it's like a huge sense of like, I, I remember like my early writing jobs that I get because they'd be like, well, you get Twitter, you know, yeah. that's like a huge asset. And why I get jobs is that knowledge. So until I like, am like, I'd have to replace that with something. It's true. And like, yeah, it's, it's hard to imagine at this point getting to the point where you don't need Twitter. Cause I feel like the Maggie Nelsons of the world, like kind of came up a little before this stuff. They did. They and did. so they, 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 they weren't did. relying on it in the same way. And like, at this point it's possible to get to that point, I think, but it is very difficult. It is very, and it's also like, you know, it took her a long time of like, I forget, it was like the Argonauts, which was kind of her breakthrough book. It was maybe like her seventh or something. This might be totally wrong, but um, yeah, but I mean, like, I'm just like, she would have been tweeting out bluettes one line by <laughs> one line, subtweeting this guy. That book is just like an entire, it's like a whole subtweet of this man who just like yeah. made her miserable. Mm-hmm. and i'm like save it just save it um but yeah yeah that's a good point i'm trying to think of like younger people who i think that there's a balance right of people who are on twitter but maybe they're not like all, as online as i am yeah i feel like someone like um daniel ortberg um mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. has because i mean he's had like other things and like has been more on twitter but i feel like lately is not as much and like is at the point now where he's like doing books and stuff and it's like yeah you don't need to be online as much and you're not doing that and like i'm so happy for you that's so good i know i know so awesome i mean i think a lot of it too is just when you're working at a site like you have to be on yeah yeah um because you just got to see you know what's going on i have to be online so i can see what um what things guys are talking about like if they're talking about breaking masturbation records which is a piece that i will get to you at some point about going oh it's going um or flashlights or um you know whatever all that stuff smelly dicks i mean it go. it's really yeah yeah all that stuff Well, do you want to move on to the only segment that we do on the show? Yes. Okay, this is a segment called Get Wrecked. Get Wrecked. And it's a segment where we recommend things to the listener. And it can be whatever. It could be logging off. That could be a recommendation. But I feel like that goes without saying. Um, Yeah, I mean, 
And yeah. you wouldn't do it. So I'm not going to give you no, a recommendation. I try not to give recommendations anymore when I'm like, even if they're explicitly solicited, I'm like, so it's weird that we do this segment, but I feel like this is different. But like, you know, people will be like, oh, what should I use? Oh, what what kind of skincare stuff do you use? Tell me. And I'm like, even if I tell you, you're not going to do it because you're just going to go and like buy some expensive thing that like doesn't really work. Um, or you're just going to think actually, that I'm really lucky or something. And it's like, no, I, I have really like a really intense routine. I really want to know about your routine. You want my routine? Like, I'm not very into skincare this year. Like, I know that is the most cliche thing, but yeah. boy, do I want to know your routine. Okay. Maybe that's going to be my rec then, my routine. Okay. Um, okay. Okay. So I'll, I'll do that. And then you want to go or do you want to go first? Um, you, you go first. Okay. Okay. Here is my whole routine. TM, TM, TM. First of all, I love that it's so straight. I mean, you just have one routine. I kind of mix it up depending on how lazy I am, but you have one that you stick to. I have, okay. Most of my life is a mess and is like constantly on the verge of falling apart. But there are a few things that I've gotten so regimented about. Like I used to sleep in my makeup all the time. And then a few years ago, I was just like, nope, never again. And I haven't in probably a couple of years at this point. Wow. Um, Which, uh... Yeah, is basically also like why is like, you know, I don't need like an abstinence pledge because I'm never going to stay over at someone's house anyway, because how would I take off my makeup and then like, I'm not going to like. Oh, I always like, I can tell I really like someone if I fuck up my skincare routine for them. Like, that's mm, how you know. Yeah. Like, if you're willing to stay there without your, your cleanser, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's all you need to know. It's true. That's a commitment. That's like, you know, that's how you know it's real. Yeah. Um, okay. So my thing. Okay. Morning. I use, uh, a micellar water, uh, mm-hmm. which I think I've recommended before. It like, doesn't really matter. I use like one of the cheap, I think the Garnier one. But, yep, um, that's the it, best one. It works. It's good. Um, I use that in the morning. Then I'll do a toner and then a BHA exfoliant. Um, mm-hmm. and then a vitamin C serum and a, um, I got to check what it's called. I forget. Oh, and then a, a niacinamide. Uh, mm-hmm. Those are all from Paul's Choice. Oh. Um, because I just like, like her stuff. It's like a little pricier than the original, but like um, it's got like a lot of different things in it, whereas the original is mostly just like single ingredients. Uh, so yeah, I use those. And then I'll use a um, the CeraVe. Uh, CeraVe. I don't know how it's pronounced. Um, it's a made up thing. I know which uh, one you're talking about. It's like yeah. Cetaphil adjacent. Yep. Yep. Uh, it's drugstore. Um, that's my moisturizer. So I'll use the AM one that's SPF 30. And um, that's my morning and then evening. Basically the same. Although like I also take off my eye makeup with like just like a waterproof eye makeup remover. Um, then I'll do the the cleanser again. And then I do the same stuff except I use obviously a, a PM moisturizer, the same brand. Uh, and then twice a week, I'll do uh, like a moisturizing mask. Um, and that's basically it. Um, and I would say for people who want to get into skincare, like just the three most important things you can do. Oh, sorry, I forgot. I also use retinol um, at night. Mm-hmm. Um, the three most important things you could do really are like for general, uh, specific cases are different, right? But like in general, SPF, like, moisturizer super important moisturizing even if you think you have oily skin and like you don't need it um there are moisturizers that are for like oily skin that that work well uh 
exfoliant like using yeah, a chemical the, exfoliant rather than using something with like beads is like much absolutely. is like way way I, better i was just explaining to the guys in our office because like they don't understand like they maybe have seen an exfoliant with the beads like a saint ives yeah but they're I was like, no, like you shouldn't really use those because it can like move the bacteria around, especially if you have acne prone skin Yeah, and it can be too tough. And there are like chemicals now we've like iterated past that, you know? Yeah, exactly. Really confused by that. But that's to me the number one thing. Yeah. Exfoliating is so important. And then I would say also like retinol can be like retinol is just like one of the few ingredients that like scientific studies have actually shown is really helpful for skin like there's a lot of like weird stuff that people are like oh use this thing and it's like maybe um there's no like real good evidence that that works but there might be but right now there isn't but retinol like there definitely is yeah absolutely my problem with retinol is i don't maybe it's just the one that i have it's just like the drying do you have to like push past the point of your skin peeling off is that what you do or is that not even use I think I'm using one that's like, um, it was like prescribed by a dermatologist. It's not oh. peeling. It's just like my skin gets a little dry. Interesting. I think you're probably doing a way more mild one. I'm doing full blown like an anti-aging. Yeah. Okay. Mine isn't prescription. Um, yeah. But uh, I mix it with, because it's like a, just like drops. I mix it with mm-hmm. my moisturizer. Um, oh, nice. And so I feel like it doesn't dry things out too much. Cool. Yeah. You inspired me to do a rec that's going to be similar or adjacent. Yeah, please. So, yeah, I mean, I've spent a lot of this talking about being on the Internet and sort of these like heady, weird topics. But I feel like something I'm really into that keeps me very grounded in the real world. And one of the few like sort of I don't know if hobbies is a word, but things that I collect is perfume. Um, yes. Yeah. And. I know skincare is just very hot right now, but I found perfume has done like a lot of the similar things in terms of just like, um, making me feel better, you know, like making me feel on top of it. And I totally see it as like an expression of a different mood or a look. Like I, I kind of feel naked if I leave the house and I'm not wearing perfume. Mm -hmm. Um, and I like have, I wouldn't say maybe I have 20. That's not counting like different essential oils and stuff and like roll roll on things um and like I just love it and and I like associate different perfumes with different periods in my life like Mm -hmm. to the point of there are some I can't wear anymore yeah yeah um but I can't recommend it enough I mean I know it can be intimidating and like weird especially if you like associate perfume like the the world of perfume now is like so much more accessible and large than Absolutely. when I was younger. Like it's not even just Sephora. I mean, you know, like it's so funny because I used to think that that was kind of like that was the nice perfume, and yeah. now I'm like, <laughs> those are all like them. designer brands that are just like using some bottom barrel like perfume house um, like off yeah. puttings to do that. But what are your what are your go-to sense lately. What are my go-to? Okay, I'm going to go... Hold on. I'm going to go over to my little section where I had them. What are you wearing today? What am I wearing today? Today I'm wearing um, Original Musk, the Kiehl's uh, scent. Interesting. And it's, I love this one because, okay, listen, our Original Musk oil is believed to have been created in the 1920s at the Kiel Apothecary. 
discovered there in a vat labeled love oil in the late 50s. Signature <laughs> scent was reintroduced to our patrons in 1963. So it's sort of this like classic, like musk. It's like unisex, Ooh, you know, that's yeah. the other thing about great perfumes is like, you know, in France, there is no distinction between a woman's scent and a men's scent. There really yeah. shouldn't be. It's kind of a weird thing they invented to mm-hmm. like create a market. But yeah, so it sort of smells very like, you know, kind of like 1960s hippie, but I love it. It makes me happy. I mean, I just love that story too. It's love oil. That's so great. I love that. Yeah. Let's see what else am I working for? We've, I talked to, I saw you were tweeting about the, how do I say this? The tower, T-A-U-E-R, the desert Moroccan. Yeah. Bed. It's just Moroccan air in French. <laughs> Le oh, desert cool. Marocain. Yeah. I like how I'm like, I'm very into perfumes, but I can't pronounce any of them. <laughs> I'm not going to try. Um, I went to the, yeah, uh, sorry, I'm going on and on, but please, I went, I went to Paris once and mm-hmm. I was like there by myself for 24 hours and I was like, I'm going to do all this perfume shit that like, I could never get anyone to do with me or I would feel bad. Like if they didn't have that hobby <laughs> and there's this place there called nose, which is like the coolest, craziest perfume place ever. Like, it's very kind of scary and intimidating, you know? It's, like, very French, and, like, people drink... Like, you go, and they give you, like, a latte, and then they do this, like, scent profile where they ask you that you do this insane questionnaire. Then, based on the questionnaire, they present you with these scents blindly so that you're not swayed by, like, bottle or the brand name because that's, like, a huge part of why you pick what... So, like, I always was, like, I hate Juliet has a gun, I think, because I, like, don't like the branding. Yeah. And then I went... And did this insane test and that was like my favorite one and then they're yeah. like oh yeah that's Juliet has it gotten and I was like crazy um but it's just fun to do kind of like a test like that yeah um yeah so I, my Rex would be I mean it's so particular whenever someone's like I want to buy someone a perfume I'm like oh boy I don't I wouldn't do that unless you know really <laughs> what they like to smell like yeah. um, I mean what I would say is like if because we, I've actually talked about this recently um, on the episode where we had Adam Conover back on. Uh, we, uh, I talked about the Dry Down newsletter. Mm-hmm. And um, I would say if you want to get into perfume, like go to Lucky Scent, the website. Oh. And they have sample packs. Like, so they sell samples of almost every perfume they offer. But also you can just get like curated sample packs. And like, um, they, I think they do, th- like they do like male, female, unisex, but like, or they call them, right. I think, just masculine, feminine. Um, mm-hmm. and yeah, like those are full of like great things and you get a sort of range. And what I found is like wearing something every day and like taking notes on it has given me like, I'm starting to like develop a nose for the stuff. And like, even also like coffee, I'm starting to like smell more like when people are like, oh, there's notes of this and this. I used to just be like, it's coffee. And now I'm starting to be like, oh, I can actually start smelling some of those things. That's so cool. Yeah, totally. It's really fun. It's really fun. And also coming up with the, like, my dream now is to, like, write, you know, how these, especially these more, like, artsy brand, artsy perfume brands have, like, the most amazing descriptions of the perfume. Yes. God, I, um, okay, so I was wearing this scent the other day. Um, actually, I think I'm coming around on it, but it's, like, one of the most hated scents online. Ooh, what is it? It's called, um, Secretion, Secretion Magnifique, um, by... Um, Etat Libre d'Orange. Um, oh, yeah. Okay, that's another one of my faves. I was going to say that I have, like, three by, by oh, that. Oh, you, you're into it? Yeah, like Jasmine and Cigarettes. I also have Witch's Rose. Yeah. 
Okay, yeah. I know which one you're talking about. Yeah, now. it's. I actually think I have come to like it. It is like a little too strong, like too long lasting for me. But like people are just like, this smells like someone like jizzed in a rusty bucket and then bled all over and threw up. And it's like that's not. It does. It's kind of just like a, a saline aquatic kind of thing. Like it's not. Doesn't smell like nut to me. But... <laughs> um, I'm gonna look up if you hear me typing. That's why uh, I'm going to look up. There's a scent that I really like. It's called Black Afghano by Nasamato. <gasps> yes. I've been meaning to try like, that. Oh my God. So that scent, like when I went into the perfume store, they're like, this scent smells like heroin and to- like a heroin dungeon. And like the woman was describing it. And I was like, I need some of that. And it yeah. totally smells like that. It's like the most, in- it's like going to the craziest, most intoxicating, like sex party, like in Morocco. And like, you meet the love of your life who like destroys you there later. Like you just smell <laughs> this scent. You're like, oh man, like this is everything. Um, but yeah, I love that. But that one is also like a very intense scent that's polarizing. I bet yeah. you like it though. Yeah, it's on my list. Probably the next sample order I do, I'm going to get it. The sample is like three times, costs three times as much as anything else. Well, I know, and but it also is black and it's like yeah. Looking like even the consistency is totally different. Wild! Um, It's great. You should get that one. I'm wearing something today um, by actually a local house called um, or not house perfumer or whatever. I don't know the language yet. um, Called Dia Sanderga. Yeah, I got one of those. It's called Bowmakers, and it smells like it's really resinous and like warm and usually I don't go for that kind of thing but like it smells like it's supposed to smell like a um like a violin maker's workshop and it totally just smells like woodworking in like the best possible way yeah what's the one that I have hold on poppy rouge Mm. from them um which I can't even, I don't know, I can't even begin to describe it. But yeah, no, it's like very hyper-specific, their scent. Yeah, they have another one that also is very, like, um, polarizing called Via Volta. And Ooh, I've not heard that. It's a violet, which is like a very intense, specific kind of scent. Um, and it just, to me, it smells like a fucking, like, decrepit mansion, like, rotting mansion. Oh my god. I mean, okay, wait, listen to the Poppy Rouge description. Like, I can't describe the scent other than this perfect thing. In Mississippi, John Hurt's Richland Woman Blues, a loose married woman prepares for a night on the town in her rosy red garters, bright Poppy Rouge, and turkey red bloomer. Neroli Buds, John Quill, Parma Violet, and Dewey Musk. It's like, okay, that's who it is. That's the woman wearing it. <laughs> well, I don't know. It just nails it. Oh, that's awesome. I want to, I just, it's an expensive habit or whatever you want to call it. It is and it isn't because I feel like getting sample, like samples don't keep as well because like if you're dabbing them on your wrists, like your skin oil gets into it and they kind of can go off. But like just buying samples, like you can get a bunch for like not that much and and just try a lot of things. Like I haven't bought any full bottles in the last like little while and I probably won't until I like really find something that I love. Um, but you can also get people to like decant things for you and like, or really like, go half seas on a bottle with someone. So like, there's lots of ways to like do it for not that much. I feel you're like. right. You're totally right. There's something I like about having the bot. Like I love. Ooh, the bot. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. But you're right. It needs to like graduate to a different, <laughs> like if I'm 
if I'm going to buy it, it's another level. Yeah. Um, you're not just willy nilly. So yeah, yeah, I usually sample it and watch the scent or like try it for a year before I buy one. <laughs> pretty nuts. Um, that Kiehl's one I think is pretty affordable though. Mm-hmm. It looks like it wasn't too much. Yeah. I think I'm probably going to go try that. You should. I think you'd like it. I, I tend mean, to like masks. Like so. Okay. Then you're, it's like a classic. Cool. I would say. Um, and sort of subtle. Mm. It's a good everyday kind of a thing. Uh, yeah. Cool. Well, I think that's basically it for the show. That was great. Thank you yeah. so much for having I'm glad we got to finally hang out a little bit. Me too. Yeah. And maybe we'll get to hang out for real next time you're here or I'm there. Do you want to tell people like where they can find, I know we were talking about like Twitter or not being on Twitter, but like, like come to my Twitter and, you know, be nice, say some nice things. Let's just turn that, you know, culture around. That's just my name at Alana Levinson. Um, You can also find me, my work, um, my editing and merits work too at melmagazine.com. And that's about it. Awesome. Well, um, I hope you have a good day and I will talk to you later. You too. Okay. Bye. Bye. Woodland Secrets is hosted by Merrick Kay and produced and edited by me, Nick Bravo. Woodland Secrets is a part of Stay Mean, the world's only podcast network. We're entirely listener-supported. If you enjoy the show, please consider becoming a patron of Stay Mean at woodlandsecrets.co slash support. For as little as three bucks a month, you'll get access to a monthly newsletter and frequent bonus episodes of our shows. If you'd like to have a message read on the show, head to woodlandsecrets.co slash messages. You can help people find out about the show, Please mention us on Twitter. We're at Woodland Podcast and at Stay Mean Co. Or rate and review us in iTunes. We really appreciate it. Thanks for listening. <laughs>